Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. We're in one of those seasons where so much more is going on than we even expected. We just kind of stop for a second and kind of run tally and go, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Happy Friday, by the way. But the big thing, the reason I bring this up is because Monday we have something new and different going on. (laughs) It is a Reddit Ask Me Anything. Ask us anything. It should be AUA, not AMA. Because in our case, it is us. It's us. It's a Reddit Ask Me Anything on Monday, February 22nd, 2021. This is being held at 4 p.m. Eastern for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. We're going to start a new thread, and we'll be logged in, and we'll just pass a keyboard back and forth yep, yep, yep. and answer your questions. It's truly an Ask Me Anything, and the Reddit guys, thanks to those guys, are mm-hmm. going to promote it once we start the new thread. They reached out to us and said, "Are you have you guys ever thought about doing this? And we said, sure. So we're very excited about it. So that is Monday. Now, we haven't obviously been able to promote that ahead of time as much as we wanted to, but it is going to happen. We're looking forward to it. So we'll actually do that next Monday before we record next Tuesday's podcast. So I'm just right. I'm, I'm letting you know right now if you're a person that listens to this podcast right away that is happening Monday. We'll also promote it on social media. Hopefully, if you follow our social media, that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. But you don't aren't current with the podcast. Hopefully, you'll still hear a little bit in advance. And I know a lot of you just lurk on Reddit anyway. So we look forward to seeing you there. Yep, that'll be under the R slash Cars thread, and then you'll see us a new thread. Hey, we're here. So jump in. Really appreciate it, guys. And we are back to season eight. We're back on repeat of the first six episodes. Well, all of the six episodes. So if you didn't catch the Million Dollar Highway, it is back on Saturday. And soon, well, it is on Amazon Prime now and more streaming platforms to come, we hope. Whatever way you watch it, that one is worth a big screen. The Million Dollar Highway piece has got Good some point. huge yes. vistas, and it's it. Honestly, I it's just going to sound weird. I have to be careful when I watch it because it so makes me want to go drive. And right now we're completely snowed in. All of the good roads are snowed in. We can't drive them. So I'm going to have to wait a little bit until they start falling out of it. I remember what it was like, the sun. We're driving along in convertibles on an amazing road, and it makes you want to go drive an amazing road. You look outside and you go, oh. Yeah, Okay. Well, but anyway, it is is midwinter here, and pretty much the entire nation is uh, frozen right now. But at least we can watch car stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and if you need car stuff, we have stuff on Blipshift and under our merchandise store for uh, Amazon. But right now, Blipshift has hats, and the Indeed. Ad Brightness uh, Lotus shirt is, I think, ju- I think it's just finished, actually. We have a, a 9-11 shirt that's funny. We have a lot of our shirts are on there right now. And if you want my novel, I would love for you to read it and leave me a review. Thank you for that. That's on our Amazon store. Go to the store tab. You can go to either Amazon or Blipshift under everydaydriver.com. Good news, everyone. The Porsche 992 GT3 has finally been released. Uh Uh-huh. 500 horsepower with a swan neck wing. Okay. I have an issue with it, though. Do you? It is the rear bumper. I'm not sold. Hmm. I actually really don't like it. Really? That's kind of surprising. I would have done some different things, to be honest. The the resolution of the rear surfaces, I'm sure the aerodynamicist had a thought or two about the development of the car. They may have said a word or two, yes. One or two, but Mm -hmm. I I looked at the photos and I'm not sold. I love Porsches. I want a 911. And what I want more is a Cayman. (laughs) <laughs> that is interesting that after driving so many and being such a Porsche fan and having multiple Caymans, you've just you've landed on the Cayman. I mean, I've, I've said it before, just, but I'm not the Porsche freak. It's the I'm better sold. chassis. I know the 911 is the historic chassis. It is. The Cayman is, is the better chassis. I, 
I'm not sold on this new GT3, the, the okay. rear styling. It, it right. looks like a bottom lip sticking out. I'm okay. not sold there. I, mm, it looks a little bloated. All right. Well, also McLaren released their, uh, what is it, the Altura, their electric thing uh, now yes. that is building on what was originally built from the McLaren P1. So it is their electric, can only run electric, also is super fast. Now they've downgraded to a V6. All kinds of crazy things are going on at McLaren. And guess what? Big shocker. It looks like a McLaren and it's still fast. Neither <laughs> of these things are surprising. Yeah. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. You can start with the new Ceramic Wash and Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, the foaming sprayer, the cannon, or whatever Paul has come up with now. We take Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and now it has ceramic protection too. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products individually or use them as your new wash routine. They're 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products from Griot's are made in the USA. And don't forget to use the new code EDRIVER when you're ordering from griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. We've got a couple of great debates. First of all, from Derek in Sonoma County, California, mm-hmm. who writes to us about California and the problem of smog. K- kind of. He, he, he backs his way in there. I, I, I don't mean that as a joke. It's, because he, it's he, winds up, he winds up with a smog problem, even though what he's really writing about is what car is next. So that is definitely a fun one. Indeed. We've also got Doug out in Tennessee, whose wife is on board with a weekend car. He thinks so. He thinks she's on board. She's now listening, but she, he thinks she's on board. As soon as you said, board. I think, and uh-huh. I think my budget is this, then it is firmly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it, it is, is now. engraved at that point. So jump into Derek's, well, not an issue, but really his debate here. He's 27. He's got a problem. He's in Sonoma County, and he needs some options on decisions. And he is one of those crazy individuals, he says, that owns two of the same cars, not mm-hmm. just of the same make. Yeah. Two of the same cars. Make, model, and year, two of the same car. Apparently, <laughs> he likes Audi TTs. Audi TTs. He's got a 2001 Audi TT convertible and another 2001 Audi TT coupe. <laughs> both are six-speed manual, and okay. both purchased for under $3,000. Wow, that's genuinely impressive. It's a lot of car for the money. If you'd gotten both for $3,000, I would have been more impressed. But <laughs> wow, you've gotten, just... <laughs> you've gotten strict. That's, that's impressive. Okay. Three grand for each. Mm-hmm. Derek uses the convertible as a daily for his 50-mile round-trip commute to work. He loves dropping the top after a long day at work, he says, and he leaves the modified coupe as the weekend fun car. Mm-hmm. But he says, here's the problem, smog. Mm-hmm. The modified coupe will not pass smog without at least two days of work. Wow. What I'm reading into that is two days of taking off all the bits that you added to it that now makes it not pass smog. Emissions. I agree. Yeah, I think that's clear. It's to put the parts back on. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. So should he transfer over parts to make it pass or leave it the way it is and turn it into a full-time track car? So let's envision this real quick. Because he has two of the same make, same model, same year, he's going to take parts off the one that passes smog (laughs) to put them on the one that (laughs) won't pass smog to take it to pass smog to bring it home to take those parts back off to put them back on the one that actually runs and belongs on roads. This sounds like a brilliant plan. <laughs> this is the master plan. This is an enthusiast plan. Is what this is. This <laughs> exactly. is a car person's plan right exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. Before all of you say, "Yeah, turn it into a track car," 
He's already got one. I know. He has a 2001. He liked a one. I like a one. That that was that was Derek's year. <laughs> that is clear. That was Derek's year. He's got a BMW 330 that he's turned into a drift car. Okay. And all he right. sent photos of all three cars. So mm-hmm. he has three cars. They're all great looking. They're all great looking. One isn't tr- streetable because mm-hmm. it doesn't pass smog. The other is a drift car and therefore <laughs> not streetable. So really he owns one car. He has one car for a daily, yes. Now, if he turns the coupe into a track car, that leaves space for a better daily. Mm-hmm. But then the convertible becomes the fun weekend so, car. So hang on, hang on. I'm going to stop and re- reassess this. We have a track car. Derek has a track car, yes. rear-wheel drive car that he drifts with. It's not he an has, Audi, by the way. It is a BMW. He has an Audi that is the coupe that is for fun weekend drives. Mm-hmm. He has an Audi that is the convertible for daily. What we're talking about here is the BMW stays because it's the drift car. The Audi coupe becomes an additional drift car. Everybody's shifting in their position. The Audi convertible becomes the weekend fun car, and we've you cannot see my massive, like, <laughs> arm-sized air quotes. We've opened up a space for a daily driver. And we now have two track cars. This is car enthusiast thinking. This is fantastic. This yes. is like uh, 201 or 301. This is like your junior year of this really is, This is an upper-level, upper-classman problem this here for sure. This is not entry-level yeah, yeah. thinking. You're right, yeah. Now, Derek says, good news about the convertible. It has only left him stranded one time, only once. Okay. The timing belt broke. Usually the timing belt stretch, but this one broke apparently on an interference engine. He says the valves did not have a good time. They (laughs) interfered with the pistons. (laughs) It has a nice new top end on it, new cylinder head, new timing belt, head gasket, and even an entirely new PCV valve, or just a PCV system makeover, he says. So the reliability is all with the convertible. All right, all right. He can keep driving it and enjoying it, but he's looking for that possibility of a new experience. Now, he's toyed with the idea of selling his coupe, but after thinking of all the work he's done to that car, he can't bear to do that. Mm. So selling, he says, is not an option, despite only buying it for $3,000. Yeah, and despite it about being his second track car. Second track car. It runs. It's just not smog legal. Mm -hmm. If he were to go out and find himself a new daily, his budget is not very high. Maybe $5,000 can be pushed to $8,000. If you say maybe, that means <laughs> you've gone. It will. Paul's just going to use eight thousand. That's what we're shopping for eight thousand yes. dollars for Derek. That's what's happened right there. He also says mileage does not scare him. Do, neither does working on it himself. He's got the space and the resources to do that, so no problem. Well, that's clear. That's he good. bought both these Audis for three thousand exactly. dollars, and he's turned them into approximate dailies. Yeah. He wouldn't be at this advanced level no. of car enthusiast thinking if he didn't have the space Clearly and time. Not. Again, upper classman thinking mm-hmm. here for sure. Yeah, his past cars are not all that exciting. In order, a nineteen ninety Volkswagen Jetta. An 01 Dodge Ram, 1500 single cab, and a 2015 Dodge Dart. He says it pooped out at 44,000 miles. His one and only new car, and he is perfectly happy for that to be in the rearview mirror. He hated that car, and it died at 44,000 miles. Okay. (laughs) Reason the Dart doesn't exist anymore. Yes. Onwards. I want to start with the coupe. Derek, okay. all right. you said you're not open to selling it because of all the work that you've put into it. Mm-hmm. Now, it requires two days of more work to make it smog legal. Mm-hmm. I understand about the appeal of having two track cars. That is delightful and juicy. <laughs> <laughs> One is set up for you know Streets of Willow sure. or just some sure. sort of autocross. Why not? The other is your drift car. We talk to people about just thinking about getting a track car. Mm-hmm. You might have two. It's, it's craziness, but yeah, go on. But your work is a monetary value to yourself, meaning Mm. you're putting the Mm -hmm. dollar amount and assigning a dollar amount. You're trading hours for dollars and assigning that to the value of the car. Whereas I look at that as 
you've worked on the car. Yeah, you've bought some parts, but those that dollar value is gone. Mm-hmm. That's just enjoyment of working on you've cars had the experience and your learning and curve. You, you've gotten your value out of that cost. Exactly. Yeah. So f- if you were to sell it or get rid of it in any way, you're not going to get those hours times the dollar amount of whatever you're thinking yeah. back. Yeah. So selling it to me is an option mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you're into drifting, which seems like you are, are you really going to decide between two different track days on a given weekend? Thank you. D- Derek, I'm going to hop in here because Paul and I are perfectly aligned. We didn't even talk about this prior. We're perfectly aligned on this. Interesting. My first question for you, Derek, and I, and I want you to just sit down and ask yourself the following question. When will you actually use two track cars? We're getting letters already. People are writing in saying, sign me up, Derek, but, new best friend. But buddy. honestly, I mean, people that we know that go to the track often, mm-hmm. they have the car that goes to the track. Right. Because that's when they can have the money and the time and the effort to go to the track, spend the money on the consumables. Are you going to, uh, to Paul's point, are you going to go Saturday and drift and go back Sunday to drive your Audi TT coupe around on the track. Are you gonna? Are you? Are you that person? I don't have an answer or for alternate you. Alternate every other weekend. Yes, drifting, I don't have an answer for you. But drifting, I, autocross. I, what I think is, if you make this Audi TT coupe a track car, one of your track cars is just going to sit. And yeah. I say that because yeah. my Elise that I bought years ago now still love it. It sat on the curb, mostly undriven, in Southern California by the guy I, I bought it from. about that. Because he had a spec racer Ford in his garage and a spec Miata that he drove almost every weekend. And he and a buddy had co-bought my Elise as a, Elises are so fun, but I don't want a daily. We should have one as a track car. And they never drove it. Because I between the spec Ford that. and the spec Miata, and he had a trailer to haul to the track. So he went to the track. I'm talking all the time. This was his number one free time pastime. And I think he'd mm. driven my Elise maybe 200 miles in the year before I bought it. Only as a track car. And he never tracked it. And he, he loved it the day he sold it. But his wife was practically jumping up and down that it left because it just sat at the curb. Are you going to use two track cars? I don't think so. And the Audi TT. I get that you love it. Let's be honest, is probably going to be a less enjoyable track car than your drift BMW. But you make the call. You're an Audi fan. You like the TTs. One of those track cars goes. I agree. I don't see you having two track cars, and I I see you more into drifting, especially if you're going to have a track car and you've already got a drift machine set up. Mm -hmm. Most people don't. Most people have to work towards that. Mm -hmm. You've already got one. So therefore, let's pretend... We're selling the coupe. Tough love here, Derek. Tough love. Don't know how much you can get for it. You need to make it run. But the problem is, if you sell it, somebody's going to want to drive that on the street. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to put in more hours Mm. at an undetermined Mm. dollar amount that will have zero value to you anymore just Mm. to get it sold. Otherwise, you're looking at a donation, my friend. Yikes. Either to a friend or as a tax write-off. Mm, interesting. All right. Therefore, all right. the car doesn't have very much value as to where it sits. It has nostalgia. It and this is nostalgia. the problem. And it has history of yes. you working on it and making it into what it is. But I hate to say, this is the problem that people have when they sell their car. Right. I'm going right. to sell my car that's worth roughly ten grand, and I'm going to list the $40,000 worth of work I've put into it. And therefore, I'm going to list this car that's worth ten grand for thirty-five. That has a zero dollar value. And guess what? It's not going to sell for thirty-five. It's going to sell for probably less than 10 because generally cars that are modified don't sell for what they're worth if they were stock. Yes. So 
you're going to have to put time and money back into that car just to get any money back out of it. So therefore, it, it sits. But if you bought it for three grand, couldn't you sell it for three grand? Take couldn't the tax right off instead. Even, maybe. Yeah, Pull yeah. the okay. good parts that you want off of it. See, I like that too. Keep those in the corner because you said you had space for your convertible. They're both O one one cars. Yes. I believe they're both the same powertrain and uh, body style and powertrain. I, yeah. I think they're both front-wheel drive. I don't think they're the all-wheel drive uh, version. Yeah. The thing that's crazy, I agree with you. I think... If you're going to do this, what you do is you pull all of the parts that you like that are worthwhile off to maybe go on the convertible, and the and the coop's out the door. You it's, have the best of all worlds. Yes. That way, your cheap convertible will still run conceivably for a long time because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you'll have the replacement parts. But that doesn't change your budget either because you didn't sell a car and suddenly come true, away with a chunk true, true, to yeah. add to your $8,000 sure, that you've sure. admitted to. So I'm looking at eight, but I'm going to try to push that to, well, maybe 10, mm-hmm. maybe 10. So I want to ask you, what kind of monthly payment can you afford? I'm going to do it. <laughs> How can I get you into a car today? I am. I'm going to do it the <laughs> wrong way around. How about that? If we're talking about under $400 a month, you could afford a $30,000 car. You put tw- 10 down, eight to 10 down of your, your budget in an effort to go get yourself a new car, like mm, a mm. Mazda 3 Turbo that okay, I okay. looked at a dealership near you that has them on the lot for thirty thirty one thousand. 31000 Wow. Right okay. now. Yeah, yeah, it's a big shift. But you I come in it. with 10 down, mm-hmm. good interest rate, mm-hmm. hopefully good credit, and you say, I want to pay under 400 a month. I'm looking at 379 a month right now, just with my rough calculations. Ooh, you, you did not go where I expected here. Derek, to get a new car. Derek, if you're not sitting yet, please sit down. This is, this, is, this is going to get harder, yeah. I understand you could get some other janky something that you'd rather wrench and work on. Sure, but do you sure, want sure. three cars that you're wrenching and buying parts for? Or do you want one, hey, this is my commute car, it's reliable, It just warranty, runs, it's great, yeah. Brand new, mm-hmm. tech, good-looking. And that's the car that never really gets touched mm-hmm. because all my other dollars and my time and my focus is on my fun weekend car and my drift car. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I look at, let's get you into something newer, not just a third car, because there's a myriad of hatches that we could go get you for $8,000. Sure. We have an entire cheap sports car challenge, which is what you've identified as under eight grand. We can get Miatas, Boxsters, maybe an 86, possibly an S2000, certainly a Z4 and an Mm -hmm. SLK. Yeah. 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 You're right. Maybe, maybe, but then you've got two weekend cars. I hear you. I'm going to jump off that idea. What's up with that? Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I think let's go newer, okay. road trip, reliable, new tech, gorgeous, still fun to drive, mm-hmm. but it's the car that you no longer worry about and no longer mm-hmm. put any dollars into. It it's, remains stock. It's solid and it runs. Yeah, I see that. And then I thought, well, if we're spending thirty grand, you can't ignore the Veloster N. Sure, sure, sure. Why not? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be new. Go get yourself a slightly used one for twenty five. Mm, Your monthly mm. payments come down further. Mm. But both of those are front wheel drive. Okay. You live in California. Yeah. You have, well, you do have a drift car with rear wheel drive and that's Mm. fun and all. But what about going back to the cheap, going back to the eight grand? What about a Z3 and a Z4? You Mm -hmm. like BMWs. Mm -hmm. But then there's this other problem because you got Audi and you got BMW. Any other that we get, then you're back to the two make ownership. Yes, yes. 
which is back to the yeah. Where's the new experience in that? I get it. I We're get like it. a yeah. racehorse. We went all the way around the track, and the horse is going. I was just here. <laughs> we could have just stayed here. I would have been first. The old yeah. Seinfeld joke. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's why I'm encouraging you to look differently. I was thinking about a C5 Corvette Z06. Funny. They're more than your budget. Mm-hmm. I was thinking Z3, Z4. I was thinking, what can we get you in that's rear-wheel drive and still fun and could be your commuter? Yeah. But then I have to play with your budget, and I don't know what your willingness is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I suggested new, go monthly payment, mm-hmm. and not even worry about it. My problem with that is it's another front-wheel drive car. But sure, I just, sure. like you heard me, I just reminded myself, you've got the rear-wheel drive drift machine, so maybe mm-hmm. that's your out. Derek, this is fascinating. I, I agree with Paul that I, I think the TT Coupe goes. You've said it's not an option to sell it. I think you need to get yourself around to the fact that it's time for it to go. Yeah. Because the convertible runs. Take all the parts you like off the TT. Sell the, the Coupe for next to nothing. Keep the parts you like. You know the car. Yep. The TT sticks around. But then here's my next challenge. I'm pushing hard on you. I admit. Be sure you're seated because it's going to get harder. But, but I actually thought, all right, let's say you really are spending eight grand. I gave myself a cap of 10 because I'm assuming you'll get some money out of the coop. But okay. all the stuff I'm talking about, I know you could find them for eight. Okay, You might be able to find them for less than eight. You like convertibles. You like, you've said, you want to be done with the workday on your 50-mile commute and drop the top and drive home. Okay. Right. The TT is theoretically the weekend car now. I'm going to get you a different convertible. Two convertibles. For eight grand. <laughs> a Boxster? Yeah. A C5 Corvette, the convertibles do not hold their value. You might find a C6 that somebody doesn't know how to make it run, and you could actually make it run and get it for cheap because a C6 would be better. But a C5 Corvette convertible, all day long. A Z car, a 350 or a 370, the convertibles of those drop like stones. (laughs) Let's get all the roofs. Let's get all the kinds of roofs. But hang on. I also thought about this. Go the one that nobody expects that will be half your budget and run like crazy. Get an MR2 Spider from the early 2000s. Oh, interesting. Toyota MR2 Spider. Those are very fun to drive. They have very simple mechanics. They, they just, they're a Toyota. They just run like crazy. Parts are available. That car run like crazy. Here is my oh, challenge to you, Derek. That's fun. Get one of those that I just mentioned. Make that your daily car. Drive it for six months and ask yourself, how often are you driving the TT convertible? Because I suspect not as much as you think. If your daily becomes some other convertible, I think the TT convertible might sit. So now, what about in six months to a year, you sell whatever it is you just bought, the MR2 and the Audi TT convertible, and you get the next step up. That's kind of interesting. That becomes your daily and weekend convertible car, and then you have your track car, and we're off on a whole new world. That's my challenge. But those are my four, mm. Boxster, C5, Z-Car, or MR2 Spider. And again, the MR2s are cheap. I hear your love for the TT, Derek, but what about getting rid of both new and experience. getting a newer Boxster so you have your drift car and a newer Boxster? Convertible, still a driver's car. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a great commuter car, and it's an excellent canyon carver. Yes, Agreed. And then you're down Agreed. to two, therefore hopefully helping with your insurance bill. Because, And as much as Paul and I talk about having a tool for the job, what's interesting about your part of the country and your car usage, your tools have a lot of overlap. It's not like you have the car for the kids and the dog. <laughs> yeah. You have a bunch of cars for you. 
and 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 the variance between my commuter that also does canyons that's a convertible and my weekend car that also does canyons that also make be a track car and now over here I have a track too much car overlap. these are lots of overlap and fine tuned little changes in your tools i think you actually might be able to do some combining and wind up with better cars across the board what i like about the boxster and the mr2 derek is that they're now a third drive drive wheel and engine placement mm-hmm. you've got front engine front drive Front engine, rear drive in your drift that. car. Yeah. And now, if you get a Boxster MR2 Spider, you've got mid-engine, rear drive. Yeah, that's great. Totally new experience. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. This is the Cheap Car Debate podcast here today because we're now talking about Doug in Tennessee who's writing, he thinks his wife's on board for the weekend car, but once again, we have cheap cars we're looking for this is maybe a convertible because doug wants a convertible and his wife does not but they agree the fun car needs to be inexpensive and manual doug writes to us and he thinks he's an emerging car guy <laughs> i love that i love that that's fantastic he's always appreciated cars and always seems to know more than them more about them than the salespeople when they go to buy one well that's not hard but they've never really owned anything just for the experience I'll say that again. They've never owned anything just for the experience. I love that. That's a great thing to come to. Yes. It's always been practicality and functionality. Doug's most amazing car experience was presenting at a customer event. His employer hosted down at the BMW driving school out in South Carolina, Spartanburg. Okay. And getting to drive a variety of BMWs on the track, he says, and the skid pad through different challenges. That had to be a revelatory day. Oh, sure. It's so much fun. So the car history includes three count them saturns i noticed this one two three three saturns saturns Mm -hmm. it's probably been a long time since any of you have said the word saturn or when's the last time you saw a saturn sl or a saturn view when's the last time you saw one probably not recently now the views are still pretty fairly current but when's the last time you really saw one that was was watching a junkyard documentary and i saw one separate separate issue so there's that and the rest of them, there's two Volvos on here. The Volvo wagon he learned to drive in, followed by a 240 Coupe, his first car. Then he had a Nissan pickup, Saturn, Saturn, Corolla, Saturn, Ford <laughs> F-150. There's a whole, there, there's large I, sections of the car world we haven't even touched. Doug, buying these cars for the function and practicality means your life choices were different. Absolutely, sure. And you've moved on. You're an emerging car person I now, love this. I love which that. Which is yeah. fantastic. You got to do what you got to do at the moment in time, and that is perfectly okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I love that you're looking at that with different eyes now and different driving experience. Mm-hmm. You're at a point now, you say, where you're having an expensive, fun, or project car would be feasible. Wife is on board. <laughs> She's not real keen on convertibles, but she is in favor of manual transmission. 
She's even taken a shine to 80s-era Corvettes. <laughs> okay, good. Dude, recently watching several seasons of one of her favorite TV shows from growing up in that era, the vet was never really on his radar, but he says, who am I going to argue? <laughs> this is, I think I'm a car guy. I want to buy a fun car. My wife has said, let's get a Corvette. My whole world has changed. <laughs> I like this. This is great. Now, his wife taught him to drive a manual transmission on a 1989 Ford Escort that her dad bought her wow. and sent her to college in. I love it. No air conditioning in Florida. <laughs> We applaud the manual. The rest of it didn't have rolled out windows because I'm thinking this was this had a manual because this was like barely rolled off the assembly line spec. It's all about yeah. character, character building. So manual transmission, convertible up for debate, two to four seats and would not rule out a hatchback or a wagon. He's not worried about power or something track worthy. He says maybe that's in the future. Okay. Just a fun, engaging driver that handles well for what it is. Again, like Derek... Looking to spend $5,000 with a mite on the $8,000. As soon as you say mite, that yeah. means a hard yes yeah, on that, the $8,000. We've gone that way. You're right. Well, he says seven. If it can be justified, I'll have to justify the stretch dollars. Easily done. Just to <laughs> wait. It will mostly, mostly be driven on the weekend and every now and then to run an errand in. Doug's working from home, so there will be no commuting. They might take it to cruise the Smoky Mountains in the spring and fall if it's trustworthy enough to get there and back from Nashville. I like it. I like it a lot. Doug Very says cool. he's mechanically inclined, even though he hasn't done much under a hood. He's wanting to learn more and do more. Okay. He does understand that reliability at a price point at this one is going to be a moving target, but he would like to avoid something that has a known chronic fault or a flaw. Hmm. That would be a bicycle. <laughs> Well, but, you know, the chain could break. I mean, theoretically, when you're, when you're buying, this is the challenge that we've done with both our sedans and now our cheap sports cars. When you buy at this cheap, less than $10,000 level, you were doing some level of dice roll. Now we have, you're inviting. We have t- we have had plenty of people that Calamity. have told us you guys are buying for eight grand. That's a lot of money. I've never bought a car for more than a thousand. I, I understand that that exists. Right, right. The trade off here, and it becomes very noticeable and somewhat extreme below ten thousand dollars. Where the trade off is, look at what I got for my dollars. We just had Derek with two Audi TTs for less than three grand each. I mean, impressive. Look what I got for my dollars. But then right behind it is, and here is what it needs. Two days worth of work to make it smog legal. Something about ten grand seems to be at the moment, as we record this, about the place where you can probably buy a car and mostly just drive it. But below ten grand, you start to just do these trade these transactions about I can't believe I got this. And here's the list. (laughs) Now, Doug does acknowledge that our cheap sports car challenge has gotten him intrigued. So he says, sell me on something non-domestic if we can. Okay. All right. He's waiting to have a good list to check off before he starts doing his drive homework and for the weather to warm up just a little bit. All right. He says a mini would be a blast, but he's unsure on reliability, long-term affordability, and ease of working on him. And his wife hates them. Well, that's probably Mm. out. (laughs) But she's never been in one. True. Okay. So fair, fair. 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 <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's. Let's. Can we get her to sit in one first and see if if, if are, are, is the hate, is the hate still real or or Ooh. or are we just okay? Step one. Look at the switches. They're cool switches. Like, let's focus on the switches. Yes. Think. Think at. Think NASA astronauts. Wasn't that the '60s? Anyway, moving exactly. on. Now. She loves her 2016 Kia minivan and most SUVs. She's been eyeballing a Volkswagen Atlas ever since their oldest daughter bought herself a Tiguan. Hmm. You notice he'd be up for the Atlas, the straight-on German car yeah. for the SUV, but he's spooked about it for the fun car. Granted, it's the Atlas would be new. Yes, it's age. And the, and the Yeah, moving on. 
I have a list of things for you to consider, Doug. Okay, great. And I have a crazy wild card for you to think about. Great. I have a good list, too. I love this. This is going to be an exercise in comfortable versus harsh. Mm. Where are you on the spectrum? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And who is with you? I believe it's going to be your wife, and I believe you've got an eye towards, let's just go for a drive. Let's go to Smoky Mountains. Let's go mm-hmm. see what we yeah. can see and yeah, buy yeah. a jar of jelly. Or something. <laughs> roadside, anything. We'll eat jelly there. We'll come there's back. Cherries, It'll be great. There's yeah. food. There's let's go stop and eat mm-hmm. food by roadside stand. Mm-hmm. I love it. So I'm looking at, uh, I, I definitely acknowledge the mini. That's good. Go sit in one. I have the BMW Z3. I found you a 2000 BMW Z3 2.3 with 103,000 miles for about mm. seven grand. Mm. I do like those. And I think that'd be great because I feel like all Z3s and most Z4s were Second and third cars. So they yeah. have tendency toward the lower miles. Yeah, that's fair. And I do like that. You could consider the SLK, but to be honest, it's not on my list. It's not really for okay. everybody. Yeah. It's a fun find, and I do enjoy driving it in the winter mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. zipping past everybody with a lower center of gravity. Totally, yeah. In my comfortable, warm, hard-top Mercedes with winter tires. <laughs> and everybody's just you know huge pickup trucks Who and SUVs. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. But I was thinking about a Porsche 944 convertible. Oh, that's interesting. The convertible, no less. Yeah. Okay, all right. They're inexpensive. Even if you just go a regular 944. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking turbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the understressed engine, mm-hmm. just the regular 944. Between seven and ten grand will get you something kind of fun. If you're not shopping turbos, it definitely will. Yeah, for sure. A Porsche in the garage. Okay, interesting. All right. Especially that convertible. I thought about Boxsters. Mm, Derek's selling a TT, but it's going to be like missing its doors and... <laughs> Brake rotors and maybe a steering wheel. Certainly so. won't pass smog in California. We're not sure about Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not. So I I like all of those and I'm just I'm not settled on one in particular. Okay. Which brings me to my wild card very quickly. A Jeep Wrangler. Whoa, that is a wild card. With a manual. Yeah. 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 And a cloth top that you can just totally take off and run to the grocery store. Okay. Or okay. go bombing around to on some road. It's just totally different. Mm-hmm. It's rough and tumble. It's mm-hmm. let's go bounce around in the Jeep for a while. Just a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can easily get them for that price. Go get yourself a Wrangler with a manual. Okay. All right. Take the doors off for a while. Take the top off in the summer. Go find you. They're not great for road trips. They're not no. great for canyon carving. No, They're no. a totally different headspace. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be a riot. You're in good wildcard territory. Let's I did not see Jeep. that coming. That's that's interesting. Okay. All right. Jeep Wrangler. Go look at those. Because Maybe your wife's SUV love would connect. Yes. Yeah. Easy to work on. Yes, they're domestic. Mm-hmm. But endless Jeep parts. Endless Jeep parts for all years of the Wrangler. I mean, the catalogs are thick with stuff you can do. Totally, yeah. Which means the parts are inexpensive. They're not too bad to run and maintain and just... Mm-hmm. Just drive it. Yeah. You could probably sell it for what you bought it, too. Interesting. Jeep Wrangler. Okay. All right. You, it's you weird. Did, you did not go where I expected. You're not at the beach, but who cares? <laughs> Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> sure. All right. Good, good. Okay. I've got, I've got a few of these, Doug. I did not go where Paul went on this one. I've got a few for you. I think your wife said she'd like to drive a Corvette. You got to go look at Corvettes. You have to. Sure. We've got to go there. <laughs> if your for- wife suggests a Corvette... Guess what you're doing on Saturday. Exactly. At least go look. You can get C4s for your money. Now, here we are in 2021 where the used car prices are actually doing a little bit of a bubble right now. So the world will settle out, I promise. But 
C4 Corvette for $7,000, you can do that. You might be able to find a decent C5. Mm-hmm. Between C4, watch our American original film. You said you have it. Watch our American original film. Between C4, 5, and 6, there are some major changes, mainly in interior, but major changes there. Well, what they keep doing consistently is they make the high-performance version at the end of the, of the model cycle. And then they use that high-performance version as the benchmark for the base version of the next generation. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. changes between C4, 5, and 6 are building on giants, if you will. Sure, that's a good so, way of so putting it. The yeah. better, the higher you can go, the better. But I know you can get a C4 for this money. And those are still really cool. I looked at ZR1s and I quickly scratched them off the list. But I did look at ZR1s. Yeah, well, they're, they're awesome. They're awesome, but they're way above the budget. But C4 and C5, get one of those. Get a Grand Sport if you can. Get the nicest one you can in your budget. Uh, maybe you could find somebody C6 that needs a little something. And now you got a C6 for seven grand. That'd be a find, but maybe. So shop Corvettes for sure. Genesis Coupe. Interesting. Not my favorite manual transmission, okay. but an interesting car with the good V6 engine. Get a, get a first-gen Genesis Coupe. I think the first-gen huh. styling has actually aged far better than the second-gen, where it got more boxy. Yeah. Get a yeah. first-gen Genesis Coupe. That V6 is really good. The manual transmission is fine. It's not a standout, but it's fine. Okay. That's okay. a pretty cool car. Dynamically, Three. it's a very good car. Along these same lines, Infiniti G35 Coupe. Be a little nicer. Yeah, you see, that's more towards that. the comfortability. Yes, there's a trade-off there. You get that with the yeah. manual. And then my wild card, and then I'm going to talk about Germans on another Spectre, but my wild card is a Mazda RX-8. Ooh. That car will be more fun to drive than you ever think it will be. The manual transmission is excellent. It is very agile. They are really interesting because of that rotary motor. You just wind them out. They're fun and smooth. Now, the rotary takes care and feeding. Yeah, you're going to have to buy oil by the case. So if you are willing to do that, if this is your fun car, they are known to mostly work. They just take <laughs> care in feeding, and the rotaries are finicky, which is why it's kind of in wildcard category. I have a couple others. First off, I am going to mention two German options. Okay. At your price point, they're going to need stuff. They're just – but here's the flip side – you could get online while listening to this podcast and get your known list of issues to check for both of these. The parts are available. The DIYs are online. You could just buy a Boxster or a BMW Z4 and fix everything that could potentially go wrong or buy one where they haven't done any of it, and that's why it's so cheap. Mm-hmm. Sure. That they sure. are incredibly well-known as far as this is what these need. This is what always breaks. And you could have a Boxster or a Z4, and you could just tighten it up yourself, and it would be great. It will. Both of them will require money the minute you buy them at this price point, between True, five and seven grand. But gonna, it's money well spent. I agree. I agree. Let's say, let's say, for sake of argument, you buy one for seven grand, and you put two, three grand into it over the first six months. That hurts. $10,000 car now, but I bet you that $10,000 car is ready to do another thirty to 50,000 miles and never even blink. Yeah. Doug, I'm not saying that money instantly makes you a bulletproof car. No. It doesn't buy you that, but it's not like a, ooh, I wonder what else I'm going to have to spend money on. Get those known issues done, mm-hmm. and then you have peace in your heart. I agree. You, you'll be good. I think that's key. Yeah. One last one for you. The only convertible on my list, your wife's not sold on convertibles. You have cheap budget, but you want a fun car, I have to go there. You need to go sit in. You haven't said how big you are as people. This wouldn't work for me. 
because I'm a tree, apparently. But go sit in a third-gen Mazda Miata with the power retractable hardtop. They're down here now. Are they eight? They're below ten. All of them are below ten, pretty much, unless somebody has decided to massively overprice theirs. They're all below ten. You can get yourself a standard convertible for five to six all day long. So see if you can find a power retractable hardtop and sit in that. If if you fit in there, it is it's a Miata. It's gonna run. All of the issues are known. You could buy one right now. It's going to keep running. That is a fantastic True. road trip. Little we go, we're gonna go do the Smoky Mountains. That's the car. But if convertible is the question mark. You close up the top, and it just feels perfectly normal in there. Now, what I like about that choice is that of all four generations of Miata, that feels the largest to us. It definitely is, Interior, yes. exterior. Definitely. It's still a small car. Absolutely. But even the regular convertible, you can use your arm and yeah. pull the top back totally and forth. Yep. But, yeah, that, that is kind of the, the big Miata, the, mm-hmm. the, big, the big one. And it is, it is the Miata for I'm not sure if I'll enjoy a convertible. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Now it's not. Yeah, true. Love it. All right, Doug. Well, Derek, too. Let us know what you buy. Car Conclusions, Everyday Driver TV at gmail.com. Every winter, we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winterproof. Covercraft floor mats and cargo mats are custom-fitted to your exact car and include the original equipment security grommets, if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort to your interior. Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, or even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Jumping over to questions, we've been having many, fielding many questions. Thank you, guys. Really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, some really good ones coming up. Over on Facebook, Seth K. says, In our last podcast with mm. Savage Geese guys, we mentioned that Stradman in real life is not like his persona on YouTube. Indeed. What other automotive YouTubers whom we have met are different in real life versus online? What YouTubers are the same? We strive to be the same people in person as we are on camera, YouTube, and the podcast. I don't really know how to beat anybody else. I don't either. <laughs> Not good at that. There's, in, in some videos, there's a level of, it, it goes back and forth between presenting mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. just be straight with me. Just hanging out, yeah. It depends on the video. It depends on the car and, it, you know, what we're doing. Like films lean more towards that way versus mm-hmm. just, you know, here's what we think about a car, like a Cadillac CT4. <clears throat> that happened, yes. However, I will say our friend Matt Farah is different in this sense. When he's off camera, off podcast, and contemplative, he came through Park City, what, uh, six months ago? Something in, like that, yeah. in the summer. Yeah, yeah. He was fish, finishing up a, a trip with his wife, and he came through and just said, hey, if you're coming through and you want to have dinner, great. Yeah. So we, we all went to dinner together, and it was great because he's contemplative in a very low-key way. Yeah. He, he has a low-key demeanor that you don't expect, Yeah, which is just... Matt's nice. a great guy. Matt's a really great just, guy. It's just sort of like easygoing. And he, mm-hmm. he is very knowledgeable about many other subjects besides cars. Mm-hmm. And I found our conversation diverging towards almost everything but cars, which is refreshing to talk about. It was interesting, wasn't it? From yeah. a car guy, yeah, yeah. all car people. Yeah. And then here we are talking about whatever else, mm-hmm. still at the same knowledgeable level as we do about cars. That's what's fun. That's you know, what Matt doesn't reveal about himself. You know, what was interesting is uh, the, the few times we've interacted with him, which hasn't been a lot, is Jason Finsky. 
is just Jason Finsky. Indeed, that's yeah. that's who he is. I mean, obviously he has his presentation style, but he's just that guy, and he's a great guy. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Brandon Lee J. Nineteen eighty three asks on Instagram. He says, "Assuming you don't have snow or rain or a low traction situation in day to day driving, is he going to notice a limited slip differential working? Oh, this is interesting. is he going to be able to tell?" <sighs> I would say the average person on the average day with dry pavement, probably not. And I say that because I don't have one on my Elise. I'm never going around a corner in my Elise going, man, I really wish this had a limited slip differential. If you're putting power on in a corner, you might sense the fact that the back end is sorting out how to put power down equally even though you're doing a turn. Might be able to tell. But I think you'd have to drive a lot of stuff with and without in a lot of situations where you're really concentrating to get to that place. I think you're just commuting. Will you notice your limited slip differential on a dry, sunny day? Probably not. Agreed. I, I, you know, I've always, only ever thought about that when we've been out at, at the track. Mm-hmm. And a few corners I've been thinking, okay, is she going to – come on, come on. And you're – you know, balancing your, your tire management yeah, and yeah, your yeah. throttle and your brake mm-hmm. and you're th- starting to think about that and feeling what that back end is doing. That's really the only time I've really started to, okay, there, there, oh, got it. There mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on your average straight line commute. Canyon driving, it's happened to me. D- yeah. Very much depends on the car. The car and, and how tight the road gets for sure. Yeah, for sure. And you, yeah, definitely the tire of the road, you, you feel it more. But when you're just kind of driving around and for many of our test drives, that's not the first thing on our mind. No, definitely not. Peter Renslow asks a quite pertinent question because we currently have the Ram TRX in the drive. There's a lot to come on this. We've got a really cool piece that we shot that we're very excited about. It's going to come to YouTube. It's going to be a very, very fun piece. But I don't think I'm going to be able to express this properly to you on video, so I'm going to say now. It's enormous. However big you think it is, it's bigger than that. We keep parking it beside other pickups, walking away and turning around and going, why is that a different class of vehicle? It is huge. His actual question, though, is we've driven the Jeep Trackhawk, which is the Jeep body style Cherokee with the Hellcat engine, and now the Ram TRX, which is the Ram pickup body style with the Hellcat engine. Which do we prefer? Mm, mm. I, I, I want to tell you, wait for the video to come out. But on a truck that comes with a feature called jump detection, <laughs> not kidding you, launch control is so old news. Launch, lots not of things have funny. launch control. Launch control is a known thing. Great. Launch control. Hey, the marketing brief says it's got launch control. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then jump detection? <laughs> now, what? what's all this then? What, where, what's over here? Where is this happening? How do I try this? Let, let me know. How, how do I get here? How can I have a slice of that? Jump detection. You're going to give us a truck with jump detection? Guess what we're going to do with it? I dare you. <laughs> One guess. First one does count. I actually, honestly, the Ram is the pickup I want. I've said before that is I have it? inexplicable interest in the Raptor. I feel the same way about the Ram. I don't need it. I have no use for it. It is beyond any logic and reason. And yet, if you just went Cherokee, which I realize is more usable, Cherokee or Ram with the Hellcat motor, I would go with the Ram. I'm going with the Ram. My 8% ratcheted up to like 12 or 14%. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. I, it's not quite 20. All right. But it, it, but it nearly doubled. It nearly That's doubled. impressive. It was All up right. there because, Peter, the whole truck is re-engineered. 
the Jeep just got the engine, the heart transplant. And and good all-wheel drive running and gear, good handle the power, for sure. A it's warranty impressive. to prevent the diffs from blowing and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the Ram got entirely re-engineered. That's the one I want. <laughs> they, they designed it to chuck it off of things. Jump detection, everyone. Jump detection. It knows when you're in the air, and then it starts thinking, huh, let me figure out how to adjust everything, the torque output on the engine, the torque output out of the transfer case, mm-hmm. the suspension, the brakes, how to not make it destroy your truck when you land. Yes. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and Aunt the Panda says, speaking of this truck, what do we think of the recent disbanding of SRT? What, the, what does that mean for the Hellcat everything mentality that we're seeing from FCA? Is there going to be a replacement, maybe more focused on electrification? Well, I think the merger with PSA, the Stellantis, <laughs> now new company, is the catalyst for this new change because there's now a focus on every brand justifying mm-hmm. its existence. Mm-hmm. And now with this new umbrella corporation, we're rethinking the future. We're rebranding. It's not just the business cards and the letterhead. The entire portfolio, Lancia, Maserati, Alpha, Chrysler, Mm -hmm. Dodge, Ram, everything is under the radar. And in in tech speak, they call this optics. Well, there's a lot of optics on this report. You should make it pretty good. We've got a lot of optics on this one. What does that mean? I I, I accidentally have a new dad joke. Oh, no. It played. Oh, no. It, it, it killed the crowd last night with my son. Hmm. He was asking, who oh, makes gosh. the Ram TRX? And so I started explaining. And I landed on the word Stellantis, and I thought he was going to fall over. He had not heard this word yet? He hadn't heard this word, and he could not believe that was a car company word. To the point that – I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. He found it so hysterical that when he went off to grab lunch with my mother-in-law today, because he's out of school this week. Oh, right. Went off to grab lunch with my mother-in-law. He'd been gone five minutes. I get a call from him. He said, Dad, what was that funny word again? Because <laughs> he wanted to tell her. So apparently Stellantis is is a comedy routine just in word choice. Hey, not just for an 11-year-old. Yeah. All the rest of us well, are the rest of us. what's that funny word the again? The rest of us are curious as well, but it, it, it killed at my house. I'm telling you. Well, and the answer is, I think, what I've been alluding to about the Dodge brand. They've been milking it for so long, mm-hmm. hanging on and hanging on, until now comes the point when they really have to start thinking about it. I also don't think the development starts now. I think it's been in development for a while. I think they've mm-hmm. been hanging on. We'll keep putting Hellcat. We'll get the maximum dollars out of this tooling for this engine. Mm-hmm. Put put it in stuff. And ultimately, it's selling cars. Dealers are marking up those Ram TRXs by <laughs> what we're understanding, fifty or $60,000. That's terrifying. Please don't pay that. They're selling cars with this formula. But I believe there's been something going on behind the scenes that is forward-looking because to do the next – you have to produce more power and torque. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Imagine Dodge comes out with the next round of whatever, and it has less. Mm-hmm. Do you think the marketing people are going to be, be very happy? The marketing people don't understand how to sell less. No. This Le- has wait. less than before. Last time less? was better. There's not as much as we had? New from us, not as much. Why would we do that if we didn't give people as much? Why, why would you do this? <laughs> But where we're at with the car culture and where everything's going, I do think it is either a hybrid assist that might still have some sort of cool sound because sound is very much part of Dodge's equation. I think it could be some kind of mix. I think a toe in the pool might be a good route to go, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, because of how much gas the Hellcat engines use. But, you know, sound. Yeah, yeah. Sound alone mm-hmm. is part of the recipe. It's going to be a tough sell to just jump. That's ripping the Band-Aid off, man. Mm-hmm. That is cold turkey. Okay. 
Maybe. But again, Stellantis, <clears throat> I, can't, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> you almost got there. Uh, you, you, good, good effort. Good effort. I'm going to go to Alex's question. Couldn't do it. <laughs> Alex HCO9 says, why is it that supercars, I mean like the hypercars, the brand-defining hypercars, the most recent ones being the Ferrari LaFerrari, the McLaren P1, and the Porsche 918, why do they cost millions of dollars, have all the latest and greatest, and yet they're either marginally faster or in some cases slower than other things from that brand. He's talking about the McLaren 720S beating the P1, the Porsche 911 GT2 beating the 918, and the 488 Pista beating the LaFerrari. Alex, what you aren't talking about here is two things. Limited edition and what year. Oh, sure. Because what happens is every about decade, if you if you go through, look at Ferrari, go back to the 288 GTO. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Start jumping by decade increments. See how close you are to them releasing the latest and greatest. There was the F40, then the F50, then there was the Enzo. About every 10 years, they released the new, this is the most we can do. Mm-hmm. And they make it limited edition. You got to bring cash, lots of signups and teasing forever. And it is the thing in their lineup that is way out front of everything else. Porsche did the 959. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The 959 are now worth millions. Delish. So yeah. what happens is this is a car company taking off all of the restrictions and just going, this is everything we can do right now and putting themselves back in the conversation by doing that big thing. But then that, what that does is that's a moonshot. They've accomplished so much tech to do that thing. Now all that tech exists in their portfolio and experience. And now for the next range of cars for the next 10 10 years are building on that information. And without fail, something or lots of things in their subsequent lineup surpass the big dog. Mm. And then they Mm. do it again. So we're almost reaching a place where each of those three manufacturers needs to do another big, huge throwdown to set the bar again, to then surpass it. I like that. Harris ZA2 says, how do I know what kind of driver I want to be without the experience or the ability to get in a car to teach me what driving style I want? This is a tough question. Okay. I want to tell you a story, Harris, and that is when we were at the track this last summer, it was one of our, our track days that we were there. We were lined up on grid, mm-hmm. and just before I went out, I was about to move the car and get out on track. And there was a kid that ran up to the car with a helmet in hand, motioning, doing the, Hey, can I jump in with you and just Mm -hmm, go for a ride? mm -hmm. Will you take me for a ride? I almost did, but I thought, I just want to talk to you and know who, what the situation is. Who do you belong to? (laughs) He was a preteen or early teen, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not even driving yet, but he wanted to ride. And clearly he was just hanging out at the track, Mm -hmm. trying to get in with as many cars as he could just to go for a ride. And I get that. I would do the same thing, but Mm -hmm. personally, I just would have wanted to just have a little chat before. And so I know your name and who you are and how you got here. I I would like to know those things just before I let you into my car. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to scream your head off all the way around the track. I don't know if you're going to freak out. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> Are your parents here? Do they think you've been kidnapped? What's exactly. the story? The, the natural assumption is just you're looking for a ride. You want to get in fun cars and go yeah, for a ride yeah. around the track for free. I, I totally see my, myself in that kid. Mm-hmm. And I would have. I just, like I said, I wanted to, let's have a little talk before that happens. <laughs> Find me in the pit first, please. Exactly. Don't just run up to my car. And I was ready to roll. And I was like, you know what? It's just, I... I'm not sure what I'm getting myself into, so no, but what if you did something like that? Mm -hmm. 
what if you were at the track and you were available and you kind of hung out with some people and got to know some people and said, Hey, would you mind taking me? Mm -hmm. I'll bet you more times than not, people would be willing to take you. You might even be able to find a free helmet to use and say, sure, I'd love you to explain. I love sharing my passion and my craft and Mm -hmm. I'd Mm -hmm. love for you to get into this somehow. And you never know, just meeting people step by step, start with drifting, start with autocross, start with track days. And just you're out there and you're putting yourself in the path of that. You're Mm -hmm. putting yourself in the way of the driving experience. And then just a, let's start with a ride. You don't even have to drive. And I, and this is actually fairly straightforward at autocross events. Yes. People yes. Are, are prone to give rides. They, they Sometimes, sometimes people at autocross events are willing to trade keys. It's not common. Let's I'm not, not saying plan there. for let's it. Just but start with a ride. This is interesting. I take your point. I also think you have the opportunity, Harris, because of things like uh, Turo and DriveShare and these kind of things. You could rent cars you've never owned. Very true. Just for a few hours or a day. Not to do anything other than to drive it kind of normally. If you've, if you've only had hatchbacks, for example, all you've ever had is front-wheel drive hatchbacks, go rent something rear-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. I, I'm talking you could go rent your local Mustang. I think you should do better than that, but just go to a local rental counter and get a Mustang. Get something rear-wheel drive and drive it on roads you know and get a sense of how different it feels because you will have experience and subconsciously you'll be aware of, well, this should feel like that, and then it won't. Exactly. You're touching on my my thought here, and that is most people don't have any clue about what a car feels like when it's doing blank. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All you know is street driving, and you just think that must be what a car feels like. You have no idea what G-forces and what it feels like to be in a car when it's sideways at 60 miles an hour. Or if you drive a minivan and you go on your local Cloverleaf on-ramp, and you do that exact same Cloverleaf in a Miata. Right. Same speeds. Same the speed. difference in feel for most people, if yes. you've only ever driven your car, that's your own life experience, you've got to get yourself into other cars somehow. Even Again, back to your ride-along point, just to go, this feels quite different. Mm-hmm. It's the motions of the car that people aren't expecting, and then they don't trust their tires, and they don't trust what the car is able to do. Mm-hmm. And in the hands of a really skilled and competent driver, you can make that car sing. You can make it really quick. But most people aren't used to those cars' motions. That's very unfamiliar. Like, mm. The car can do that? I've mm, yeah. never felt that yeah, before. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think that was possible. Hey, it happened to me riding with Ron Simons oh, in a yeah. BMW M3 around the ring. He took you around Spa, Todd. He took you around Spa in a Lotus 211. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he took me around the ring in, a, in an M3, F80 mm-hmm. M3. And I thought, I know what tires can do. Holy crud! <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. Tires can do that? Yeah. And you and I have had track experience. We've been driving canyons. We've been driving a lot of things. High-speed performance driving. And we kind of know those tracks, too. Yes. And then Ron took me for a ride, and I went, the M3 can do this? Yeah. In the hands of Ron, it can. Yeah. He's been doing it for 20 years and raced at a high level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, wow, that was a different motion. Mm -hmm. The suspension, it changed. It changed the dynamic of the car. I didn't. I thought it would have upset the car and we're in the wall or in the weeds or something, Mm -hmm. but no, the car took it. He took the first dip coming out of the gate at the ring. Yeah. You go under the Bilstein sign, take a left down the hill. Yeah. yeah. He took that faster than I ever experienced. But then I thought, well, shoot, that makes sense because he was coming in with so much speed. The car compressed harder Mm -hmm. than ever at the Mm -hmm. bottom at the, at the, yeah, of the bottom out there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of braking opportunity there. Yeah. Wished the tires into the pavement and then he was really hard on the brakes. Nothing happened. We just, Went faster. <laughs> Went, oh, 
So that's what that you've, feels you've like. You've been here before, Rod, clearly, yeah. It was, it was revelatory, and there's always stuff you, look, you can learn, mm-hmm. even, the, even the high-end drivers. I love it. Everybody's always learning. There's yeah. nobody I've met so far that says, I got this. I, I, know it. I, you know, I know it all. I can show you. Ivan Hooser, 15, last question for me. Track Daily Crush. Did you see this one? Yes. It's actually kind of hard. Yes, Challenger Hellcat, Mustang GT350R, and Camaro ZL1. Mm. Track Daily Crush. I think I'm tracking the Camaro. I think that's where it's going to shine the most. Are you? I want the six-speed, even though the 10-speed the auto is fast. I want the six-speed. I want to track the Camaro. I think it would be brilliant on track. And I'm struggling because I really like the Mustang GT350R. It's one of my very favorites. It's got so much personality. It's such a great car to drive. But if we are actually talking daily, Mm. so now I think about one of the times when you're not enjoying driving and you just kind of want a place to relax, it makes the Challenger tempting because the Challenger is a really good hangout car and then it has that crazy laughable engine. I still think I crushed the Challenger and daily the Mustang. Really? I see. I would daily the Hellcat because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I see it. It's I totally just get it. So ridiculous on a daily basis. And you're still comfortable. And you're comfortable, and it can cruise. It, you know, the volume Absolutely. goes down. It, it does. You can make the supercharger not whine, even though the whine is very fun. The reason is I don't want that Hellcat on a track. Oh, I agree. I don't want near a track. No, it's not where it's. So it's just not street good. drive, totally. laugh riot. Yeah, for let's sure. do that. Mm-hmm. The Camaro ZL1 doesn't interest me as much as the Mustang. Okay. I want the Mustang on track. All right. There you go. That's wild. Rick HMC says, how does the tri-motor Cybertruck influence our thinking on the TRX? Accepting the key difference that the TRX actually exists. Is this the embodiment of character and interaction versus, slight, versus the slightly colder performance and efficiency of the Tesla? Mm. It's, it's a speculative question because we don't know about the future cold, distant clinical performance of electric trucks versus mm-hmm. the personality that we've experienced now. Much of that personality is sound. Yeah. It does this. Something crazy came out of the back end that I never expected. I bounced off the rev limiter and sprayed snow and mud out from under my wheels. That's a lot of character. And the TRX has the supercharger whine of all the other Hellcats, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I would answer your question, but I can't hear you over the supercharger whine. You're going to have to speak up. (laughs) So I will say, again, being speculative, maybe there are different characteristics that are enjoyable about those future electric pickup trucks that are unexpected, but not in the same category. So therefore, it's not apples to apples. I'm open to doing that. It's hard to see that right now. It's hard to think, yeah, it's going to be awesome and just full of love and character. Maybe, maybe not. But since we don't have them side by side, it's a little bit tough. Always appreciate your questions. We've got to get to more. We've got another list to do. We've got even more to get back here. Guys, thank you so much for sending. Your debates, your topic Tuesdays, and your car conclusions to everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And please don't forget, please don't forget, on Monday we are doing a Reddit AMA. We hope to hear from many of you. Tell a friend who's wondered about the show and, and actually lurks around on Reddit. We'd love to hear those questions. We're ready for whatever. That's why a Ask Me Anything exists, or in this case, a AUA. Ask Us Anything. That rolls so. off the tongue. Thank you guys again. Looking forward to next time. Looking forward to the AMA. AUA. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>